Hello, I'm Collier. And I'm Elijah. This is the Hopefully, Hopefully Wandering Podcast. Podcast. We're just going to pretend that we didn't just record five minutes of this episode without we me hitting the record button. <laughs> recorded a, a great intro, so good, but you will never hear it because Elijah forgot to hit the record button. Okay, okay, so no, no, no. I hit the record button, but I didn't tell it which channels to record. Ooh, okay. So you have to say like... So, or audio nerd, there's like different channels. So I've got like one channel for the, the music you're hearing now, one channel for Collier's voice, one channel for my voice. Well, I can record, but I didn't say which channel. And I have to say, hey, record our microphones. <laughs> well, good. Well, now, now um, the listeners can hear us. Yes. Now, so. now that they can hear us, Collier, what are we about? Exactly. We are about talking uh, to each other and talking to other people. And uh, doing so in interesting ways. Um, something that no no podcast has ever done before. No, never. Yeah. <laughs> We're all about perspective. <laughs> I was, in uh, the cut intro, I was saying that our perspective before, like, we came out as quote-unquote ex-evangelicals was, like, the size of, like, a pinhole, but we were so certain of everything that was in here. And now we got a widescreen TV and we're like, wow, look at that. Look at that. Oh, that might be kind of cool. Exactly. We are just exploring everything we can. We are um, we're, we're learning how to sin now because uh, we weren't allowed to do that before, you know? So. It's so sarcastic. <laughs> this is way more sarcastic than the first one. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, it's, <laughs> yeah, I wonder how sarcasm comes over on an audio format, too. People probably think I'm serious with yeah, like I know. half of the sarcastic shit I'm saying. So. Okay, 30 <laughs> seconds. Give the serious spiel. Okay, so, yeah, what we are is we are two guys that were wanting to go into ministry and full-time worship ministry or pastoral ministry. And we recently came out of that in the past couple of years and are now what you can call maybe ex-evangelicals, post-church, Ooh, scary word. Um, post-church people. And we want to explore the options of what the world has to offer. And we also just like to discuss philosophies, life, our experiences, and we love hearing from other people as well. We have lots of guests on, and we're continuing to have guests on. So if you want to share your story, hit us up. Let us know. We love talking to you. We love um, hearing lots of perspectives. Like Elijah said, perspective is uh, such an amazing thing, so we're trying to widen it. So we want to talk to different people, and we want to explore a lot of different topics. And that's a fact, Jack. <laughs> Call your uh could I tell a story at the, at the beginning of this episode? Ooh, yes, tell me a story. So about a month ago, we were invited to a gala. Uh, we haven't talked about this yet. Okay. <laughs> uh no. I don't think so. No. Set, set the scene up for how we got invited to this oh, shit, gala. I'm scared. What's happening? Okay. Well, so we had uh, an amazing friend, um, Ellie, who works at a charity or a nonprofit, yeah. and uh, I don't know if we're allowed to say. So let's yeah. Just, so they, they had some extra seats to fill, and she got us in for free. So we went to this fancy gala, and we had no place. We belonging. were we were cosplaying as rich people, um, pretending <laughs> that we had five thousand dollars to like throw down on some bids and some uh, donations, yeah. um, which we didn't. And so. we got to eat really fancy food with small portions. Mm-hmm. Ate some good food, had an open bar, open and bar. it was at an aquarium. It was at, Yeah, it was an aquarium. It was an open bar in an aquarium. Like, how the heck did we end up there? <laughs> <laughs> we stood out, but we, we tried to make it work. <laughs> okay, so the story, I want to tell the story about Collier. So all the way. Oh no, what did I do? <laughs> I don't even know if I'm you remember this. I'm scared now, I probably don't. Yeah, oh so, wait, oh shit, no. <laughs> No, I do now. <laughs> yeah, so 
<laughs> after after okay. the aquarium, we went to this uh, really really hopping bar downtown mm-hmm. called something or other. And you know we we had a good time, but as the drinks got flowing, Collier gets really really friendly. Well, so this was the first time I'd had tequila in like three years, and <laughs> man, I I mean I hate tequila because I hate how it makes me feel, but it makes me into the the friendliest person in the world. I will talk your ear off to anybody. There was these guys sitting behind our table. And Collier just, like, turns around and, like, makes a group of best friends, like, they're in that last half an hour there. Yeah, I didn't want to leave. Y'all were like, I was like, I'm talking to my new friends. And y'all, y'all were like, we got to go. It's like 3 a.m., <laughs> Collier. It's time to leave. I know. I, yeah, I would have stayed there until, like, 5 a.m. for sure. So we get in the car. And uh, our cab driver, I don't remember his name. I'm going to call him Rico. Rico was an absolute legend. He was funny. Oh, he was so great. He was chatting us up. But about halfway back, when we're on the highway back to the hotel, Collier's like, I think I'm going to puke. Wait, did, did I? Yeah, yeah. You were like, I haven't had tequila in a long time. I think I'm going to puke. <laughs> so you roll the window down, and the driver, he's super chill, but Rico yeah. was like, you don't puke in my car. <laughs> and I started like panicking because I paid for this Uber ride. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, how am I going to get Collier not to puke in this car? <laughs> I said, Collier, our cab driver, he's an unbeliever. Can you walk him through Roman's Road? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, no, that was great. I uh, in, in my, I mean, I was, yeah, I, I was definitely quite uh, inebriated, and I mean, I remembered. I'm proud of myself. I looked it up the next day because I was like, hey, I wonder how much of that I got right. I said like at least three of the verses right. You know, I got Romans three twenty three, Romans six thirty, whatever. Um, I, I got like three of the verses. Uh, I'm not just... critiquing your Romans Road. The Romans Road was good. I know, but I was like drunkenly shouting them. You were literally screaming it at the top of your lungs. My favorite part, though. Well, see, here's the other thing. Tequila also makes me like go deaf almost. It's like I can't. It's like everything feels like a concert, so I have to like shout everything. Um. So. I think April like interjected in one of your verses, and I don't know if you remember this, mm-hmm. but you turned over to April and, and you said some Bible reference. And you're like, "I do not permit a woman to speak <laughs> over a man." And ever in everyone in that car except for Rico and me screamed. You screamed. <laughs> both the girls screamed, and I'm like, "Oh God, oh, I gotta man. tip him so well." I know. I mean, see, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna bring up the Bible, but you, you. Brought it up. You but, asked me. But, so. but you didn't puke. I didn't. You no, didn't no. Puke, I didn't the whole the night. Goal. I didn't the whole night. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was really nervous you were, but I, t- I put Romans Road on. And no, you were, I wasn't going to. I was okay. You were you were on it, buddy. You were on it. You were. I was this, on it. You proselytized to him the whole 20-minute drive. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably saved now. He's pretty, I'm sure he's changed. I'm sure he's looked up those verses and he's absolutely convinced him. Yeah. Call you're speaking of pushy evangelists. Have you ever had one come to your door in like a suit riding a bicycle with a helmet with a little uh, plaque on their shirt? You know, I have, um, except for the bicycle. I, I actually uh, lived in an apartment complex where there was like a, where the, the local um, mission was housed. So I had like two or three full apartments of, um, of missionaries, of missionaries, yeah, uh, do you that were living right across the street from me. What type of missionaries? Uh, they were missionaries from the 
uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, I'm not familiar with those. Yeah, LDS. LDS? Um, more commonly known as Mormon. Mormon? Mormon? That, I mean, that's kind of like an offensive term now. See, yeah, it's interesting. So I, I've heard that. And uh, I think like in the 90s or something, they did like a big marketing push where they were like, we are Mormons. And then now they're like, wait, Mormon is offensive. She call us the Church of Latter-day Saints of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They call us the LDS. The LDS. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it might be sort of offensive. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really a – it's fine. They are offensive too. So, they <laughs> – I think, um, you know, most of the people who's listening to this are probably like just like us mid-20s. Bible college or grew up in church. But I also know that there are, um, there's a small group of people who listen to us who actually may not be familiar um, with some of these topics. Um, would you be willing to go on like a, just a five minute explanation of like what Mormonism is? Um, uh, I, I've got some yeah, notes and yeah. stuff too, you know, so I can share. But uh, Collier did tell me last night specifically he's been watching like a 26 episode YouTube <laughs> excursion on the history of Mormonism, and so I was like, yeah. I'm not going to deprive my guy of his opportunity to dump the knowledge. Well, see, here's the thing. I'm so it's like yeah, 20 hour long YouTube videos <laughs> long. And I haven't, uh, I've gotten through like eight or nine. Okay, and okay. We've just scratched the surface of Mormon history. <laughs> go, go as so, far you know, as you first, can. I'm going to shout that out. It's a Myth Vision podcast on YouTube. So Myth look Vision up Myth podcast. Vision or Myth Vision podcast. And he has a playlist of Joseph Smith and, and Mormonism with uh, David Fitzgerald and Bryce Blankenagel, two like Mormon scholars. Um, so anyway... Yeah, I'll give a, a little bit of a brief overview from yeah, what I've been learning from that. Just as far as you can, I'll catch Yeah, you know. so Joseph Smith was a young man in the uh, 1800s. Um, I, I'm not sure. It's real years. early. It's like 18, 1810 or something. Yeah, Very yeah, early, early 1800s. Um, basically, basically, he was a con man. <laughs> That's If you've ever watched uh, Psych, he was a little bit like Sean Spencer or like The Mentalist or something like that, except not quite as clever, but but similar, where he was a clever cunning dude uh he used seer stones to help people find treasure and stuff like that so he would be like he would look at these stones in a in like a he would like cup his hands around his eyes or something to look at these stones and they would show him things you know now Which realistically early, he yeah. was just making shit up and like throwing shit against the wall and something would stick you know like that's yeah. that's what he was doing was being like a uh, sort of like Alex Jones or something, making prophecies, making um, conspiracies, whatever about yeah. this treasure, and then it would stick. You know that they would yes. find something. Like there was one example where they were um, on this big excursion to find uh, this like huge box of treasure, and Joseph Smith said, uh, "We are going to find you know a leaf or, or a leaf that came from a bird, like basically a feather, you know, beside the spot where the where the big box is hidden, and." People would say like, "Oh, so so did Joseph Smith lead you to that box?" And they were like, "No, but we found the feather." So, so stuff like that, where he would, he, he was a really good, pretty charismatic, cl- cunning con man. The where thing he would is, just help people out, you know, get paid yeah. to uh, to do stuff like that, discoveries, and help people try to get rich. It worked in that environment though, because it was during like the time period of the second great awakening. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. like you had the age of enlightenment kind of taking over like the post-colonial educated man trying to pioneer America. And then you had this response of this ultra religious second great awakening. And it, it seems like he was trying yeah, to play off yeah. of that. 
Totally. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely playing off of that. And um, there's a lot in his history. Basically, he was like really down on his luck. He kind of didn't really um, didn't really have much going for him. I think he, he got a job at, I think he married somebody, uh, Emma, and got a job at her dad's. Yeah, his first wife. Got a job at her dad's place um, and was like, hey, this is boring. I don't want to do this. So then, lo and behold, um, right as he was really, really bored with his life and wanted something else to happen, um, he, he got a vision from an angel and they showed him uh, where there were some gold tablets. And he had these gold tablets hidden in a little secret box that uh, only he could see that he was able to translate. And they were another word of Jesus Christ. They were a New Testament. Or no, no, sorry. They were an Old Testament written by the Native Americans who Jesus Christ also came to uh, and preached to them. And there was like a raft of Jews that came over to the <laughs> Americas and they uh, they wrote this document about Jesus, the Messiah, coming to the Americas. So, so, so if you're listening to this and you're like, <laughs> That's not real. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's real. If you read, if you read the Book of Mormon, that's what it is. And that's like, what it says happens. You know, I'm saying it in a little bit of like a goofy way, but that, that's what they say happens. Um, it's not even like anti-Mormon literature. That's After what they actually Jesus say. After Jesus died and came back, <laughs> he took the Jews to America, mm-hmm. and then a new the new Bible. Yeah, and I think there was like one tribe of Native Americans that that converted and stuff, and they were like the and chosen they natives. Yeah, and so they, he created a new Bible, and then he also said that, hey, you know how we used to use prophets in the past, you know, and like judges and everything. We're going to do that again. Um, so Joseph Smith was basically the first prophet. And again, so this is early 1800s, around that that kind of prime time for a new religion, like Elijah was saying, with the Great Awakening, with the Enlightenment, with colonialism, expansion west was a big part too because, you know, people need kind of myths and religions to, to do stuff. <laughs> um, and so Joseph Smith created that, got, a lot, got some followers, got some wealthy investors to um, also jump on with this new religion and he convinced a small group of people that he was a prophet of God. It was a prophet of Jesus Christ that was telling this new true history that was before undiscovered. And while he was also discovering that history and translating that book that those Jews in America had written in the, I don't know, like in 80, like a hundred or whatever. Um, he also was receiving new prophetic words from God. And that was a lot of uh, what Mormonism then became was, you know, those new prophetic words uh, were telling people how to live, what to do, and uh, basically just other stuff that every religion does. Uh, It was just that type of stuff. And the Mormon or LDS member would say that Joseph Smith was writing down words and speaking uh, words to his scribe that were divinely basically came right from God and they were just new testaments to God. The skeptic would say that Joseph Smith was saying what he wanted to say to advance his religion, to get rich, to help himself. And people believed it. And so he said, I can do what I want because God tells me I can do it. Amen. Brother. So, yeah. Um, then from there, Joseph Smith took a small group of people that was sort of uh, gaining population, gaining followers Got some other, he made a lot of really good deals with really wealthy businessmen. And those wealthy businessmen, like, helped them print stuff, helped them print the Book of Mormon. They moved across. Why, why would they agree to Joseph Smith's theology, though? Like, what was in it for them? Um, Some of them, some of them he kind of proposed like a businessman where he basically um, would give them, like, a good 
rank, you know, in, in Mormonism faith, like in the faith, they would give them a good rank. So then uh, it would help, you know, bolster their, I mean, it would rich line their people. pockets. Rich yeah, it would people. give them power, all that type of stuff. Some of them, that there was a couple that uh, that were very prone uh, one thing that that uh, I think Bryce, the guy in that video I was talking about, says is that Joseph Smith was really, really good as a con man about targeting people, about, about picking his targets. So a lot of the first guys that he targeted were people that were known to be really prone to um, loving and being fascinated by or easily gullible in realms of supernatural. So he like... They were guys that would, you know, if you said, oh, there's an alien, they, they would believe you, you know, stuff like that. And so he would target those guys. And so those guys, like, maybe they were in it for the, uh, the power a little bit, but also they kind of believed it because Joseph put on a really convincing argument for why this was true. And like you said, it was a prime time for new religion. The Enlightenment was huge, and the, the Second Great Awakening was huge. Yeah. And everyone was trying to figure out, oh, well, what is the true church? You know, if, like, if the old ways of doing it before the Awakening— uh, we're not correct. What's the new way of doing it? Yeah. And Joseph was like, well, I'm making a new way. This is a better way to do the Jesus Christ church. Okay. I'm just, I feel like I'm the asshole here, but I'm saying like the rich, white, educated colonial leader. Okay. He's being proselytized to by Joseph Smith to embrace this new religion when he's been a firm Christian his entire mm-hmm. life. What's his incentive to become Mormon? Yeah, and yeah. And be ostracized by his community. No, What's I, in it for I him? You, yeah, which I think kind of what they were saying on that on that podcast was like, I think some of the first marks and some of the first wealthy investors were those like super gullible types that okay, he, okay, he genuinely okay. tricked. Yeah. But along the way, they picked up more and more and more grifters. Basically, they picked up... Uh, Kenneth Copeland's and Creflo Dollars and uh, Joel Osteen's or people that are riding this wave, you know, for the power, for the money. And they see like, hey, this is a good opportunity because a lot of those rich white people know that uh, religion is a good way to make power. Religion is a good way to get money. And so they saw this and they hopped on, not because they necessarily believed Joseph was prophet, but it gave them a lot of uh, a lot of power. It gave them the ability to do a lot of stuff that they wanted to do. Yeah. Now, they experienced a lot of persecution along the way, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So they had a, a westward trip, uh, which eventually ended up in Salt Lake. So if you know anything about the LDS Church, you know that Utah is a big Mormon community. Uh, Salt Lake is like a huge, or Utah is a, just a huge um, LDS place. Uh, they, they ended up there. They stopped at a couple of places. I'm forgetting exactly where it was, man. Uh, I know at least one Illinois. of them. Carthage, Illinois, was one of them, and then I think it was. And that's was where it Michigan uh, or Missouri. There was Jackson there was one County, other place. Missouri. Jackson County, Missouri, was the other place that they stayed. Yeah, for a while, and that was the place they got like chased out of because they were doing some shit, and the governor hated them. Yeah, but so, Carthage is where Joseph Smith died. Yeah, he was yeah. Basically, yeah, where the Mormons went, they were always trying to set up a theocracy um and they wanted um power they wanted to like be uh in control of pretty much everything so they were not treated well by the people that had already settled there um so they, they were persecuted there's a lot of uh a lot of violence on both ends the mormons slaughtered and massacred some people um some governments and people where they lived slaughtered and massacred them and they eventually fled and went out to Utah, which <laughs> the funny thing about Mormonism is it's all about Zion. Um, it's all about, which is what is their like religious haven. It's based on the Jewish scriptures and stuff of like God's special place. Um, so there's Zion, 
was Carthage, then it was Jackson City, and then it was Salt Lake. <laughs> they kept on moving it because they kept on getting kicked out of those places, and they were like, oh, it's, no, no. It's a chase. Yeah, it's that not wasn't like a literal Zion. place. Yeah, yeah. So um, eventually they ended up in Utah, and that's kind of where they grew to uh, what we know them as today. Uh, after Joseph Smith, Brigham Young was the big one um, of, a, of the next prophet, and then they've had prophets successfully since then, or successively, uh, each person, like each new prophet, you know, like has some new prophetic decrees that they say. Yeah. So he he's like the Pope where he has, he has a group of 12, like, uh, apostles, like his crew, his posse. And then the prophet himself has direct line of communication to God. So mm-hmm. whatever he says is law. Yeah. They can hear directly from God and they hear like the law from God. So it's, it's written down as law. And then if it overrides an old law, they just change it for the new law, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, which so that was that was a little confusing, probably. I but isn't the whole job, faith? But the thing is, it, it's a it's a really interesting history, and that's why that that YouTube playlist goes for like twenty hour long episodes, is because there are so many different little things that happen in the history, and with with Mormonism, we have all the records of what actually happened, you know, it's not like Christianity or Judaism or Islam or any other like old religion where we have records, but like they're usually from hundreds of years later. They're like different, like archeological excavations. They're kind of hard to know exactly what happened. You're not seeing things as they happen. You're seeing things 2000 years later or more. Um, For Mormonism, we are looking back just 200 years at well-kept records that have like then well-kept in like witnesses and statements and, yeah. and court documents Not and like governmental documents where it's like 8,000 years ago. This yeah. Occurred. So, so we know the exact culture. We know the exact people. We know everything about the place that this evolved from. And um, so it, it's a crazy history because there's just so much that you can learn from or so much that you can see so much that we have. Um, but yeah, that, that's the basics is Joseph yeah. Smith was a con man in his past. That, that was what he did as a profession was, basically conned people, um, and then started a religion. So somehow this this con man who uh, was down on his luck somehow uh, uh, was chosen to start a religion. That's very uh, wow. very interesting, very interesting how that worked out. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, though, uh, Mormons don't really read this history, most of them. A lot of them, the, the LDS church, I'll say, doesn't really read this history, and they call it anti-Mormon literature, and they try to bury it. They basically say, like, this isn't, this never happened. So most LDS people that you'll meet w- do not know anything about the true history of Joseph Smith, of Brigham Young, and of the of the first LDS um, church and how it came to be. They know a very, very sanitized and cleaned out and redacted version of the faith that basically says, Joseph was a prophet, we got persecuted, we came to Utah, and then everything's good. Um, so that's, that's a brief history. Um, so we catch up to today... And Mormons, they look very, it's very weird, their whole culture, though, is because they're so focused on evangelism. They're so, I mean, I almost want to say self-interested to, like, a certain context because, like, they have rituals to, like, baptize people who are important to them. Um, They very much are about, like, overwhelming the world through population. So, you know, they're Mm -hmm. super centered in, like, Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I also want to talk about like their like doctrine a little bit. So, did you know that they have four holy texts? They don't just have the Holy Bible. 
We got yeah, the Bible. I'm not sure what all of them are. There's the Book of Mormon, um, and then there's the I don't know what it's called, but it's the document that has all the prophetic um, yep. teachings of Joseph Smith and it's the prophets. Doctrine and Covenants. That yeah, Doctrine and Covenants. Okay, are those two separate ones or is that no no? It's one book. Okay, then what's the fourth one? I'm googling it real quick. It's called a uh, Pearl of Great Price. And oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the Pearl of Great Price is a selection of choice materials touching many significant aspects of faith and doctrine. So um, it is a book written by Joseph Smith um, talking about some of their like core beliefs. Mm, okay, okay. So it's it's almost like like a denomination is going to have like their tenets outlined. Mm-hmm. Um, a Pearl of Great Price is very similar to that. And so, like, the breakdown you've got is the Holy Bible. You've got the Book of Mormon, the Bible 2 Electric Boogaloo. You've (laughs) got a Pearl of Great Price, um, which is their, like, doctrines and beliefs. And then you've got um, the constitutional amendments through Doctrine and Covenants. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So every Mormon prophet hears from God and updates the Doctrine of Covenants. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, and is that what, um, the Doctrine of Covenants, is that what was updated to allow... Absolutely. Um, uh-huh. To allow black people to enter heaven, or to be in the leadership positions in like uh-huh. Uh-huh. 1987 or something? Let's talk about some of the controversial Mormon teachings. <laughs> Part of why well, they were there, There's quite a lot. So, well... One of the modern ones, yeah. just on what yeah, I just yeah, said, come on, was let's go. with the racism, um, basically, well, one of the things is that uh, when when the darker-skinned people uh, enter heaven, they are sanctified purified. and purified, and their skin becomes white. <laughs> so, but why were they not purified before? Oh, um, were, they were cursed. Was it the curse of Ham? Yeah, they're basically children of Satan. Yeah, they're, they're pretty much like children, yeah, like demonic children or descendants of demonic children. So that that's a big controversy that I really don't see how anyone who it believes <laughs> who's in the church who knows that because it was very recent too that they kind of updated some of that stuff and said it was hey in guess the what seventies yeah it was in the seventies when they said oh uh, we were just kidding uh, black people actually can be on leadership and enter heaven in the seventies the seventies so, like hundred like. 150 years after the religion was formed. Yeah. So, um, so that's the, one of our first controversies. But even takes. though they said that they could be in leadership and stuff, there, there's still some in, in their teachings on heaven. I'm pretty sure that it's still, you, you still turn white, I think. I, I don't know if they've ever addressed that. <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. Under that's the rug, uh, under the rug. That's a, that's a very big controversial one. If you've seen on TikTok, the, um, what do they call them? The BYU, uh, yeah. like the Menaces, Black Menaces, I think is oh, what their name yeah. is, uh-huh. who go around to BYU asking people stuff like, do gays deserve rights? <laughs> and, like, and they're all like, um, that's a good question. I'll, I have to think about that. <laughs> it's so funny. So Obviously, th- that page very, on, very homophobic. Yeah, that page on TikTok uh, calls, <laughs> they, they call out a lot of that stuff with uh, just their, the typical views, which the thing is Mormons are always really sweet. They're really kind, but some of the theology is just, is ridiculous. <laughs> well, most of it stems from one overarching belief. So the thing with mm-hmm. Mormonism, so you you look at Christianity, and the whole point is you experience redemption from Jesus Christ so that you can spend eternity with Him in the afterlife. Okay. Yeah. That at its pure 
purest form, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to have heaven and earth go through a rebirth to where you can become perfect and live with Jesus mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. Mormonism, it's not like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's similar, but it's uh, it's you be, you basically become God. You become like Jesus, right? Yeah. You become just like Jesus. So I actually, like I said, I um, was talking with some Mormon missionaries that came to my door, and I had a few conversations with them, and they, they walked me through some texts. Um, I think... I forget the verse. There's a couple of verses like in John, they use biblical texts, especially because, you know, I was a Christian. They were talking to me, trying to convince me. Yeah. There are some biblical texts that it's, it's a pretty convincing way, honestly, that you can interpret these texts where Jesus talks about being one. They, they kind of like talk about humans becoming gods. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes sense. You know, uh, there's actually a lot of Christians who were later deemed heretics. So there's a lot of Christians early on that believed not the same thing, yeah. but just in the baseline of man can become well, we like God. become like God, yeah. Yeah, that type of thing is is kind of like Christian theology, that there's a lot of Christian sects that still believe that. But they um, take it to an extreme. Yeah, where... and there's you get a planet, uh, you have your own planet. Um, what else is there? Yeah. You, you well, yeah, so, so no, well, you get your own planet, but the thing is salvation is tied to a righteous male of a household. Oh yes, the um, the the priesthood holder, right? The priesthood holder, the and priesthood so, holder. Yes. So in the same way, where God is the father of Jesus and Satan in Mormonism, fun fact, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they're two brothers, like Loki oh, and awesome. Thor. <laughs> Did you know that one? I didn't know. No, no, no. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. Jesus is just the favorite. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. You know, Satan was just mad. He and, was... <laughs> Lo- and Thor, or I'm sorry, uh, Loki slash Satan is jealous mm-hmm. of his brothers. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so anyways, God in Mormonism has a host of wives who he copulates with to populate the planet. Mm, okay. For people huh. who are meant to strive to be like him. Gotcha. And if they are righteous enough, then they get to basically be elevated to become their own gods over their own universe and take all of their their wife slash wives that they acquire in this life along with them. Yeah, yeah. So to be to truly become quote unquote saved in Mormon culture, your salvation is tied to a husband. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, women can't really do it for themselves. No. Yeah. So your your goal is to find a righteous Mormon man, mm-hmm. be married to him, and then your ultimate fate is to be his copulation tool to populate a universe with. Yeah, yeah. So early Definitely. Mormons... That's the thing, which is like when you... In the early history of Mormonism and current Mormonism, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense to be in that religion unless you are a wealthy white man. Yeah. Those are the only people that, that profit off of that yeah. religion. Who want... Or who, not even that profit, those are the only people who aren't actively discriminated against in that religion. So. Right. But you could see how, like, for me, looking back at those, like, early rich people who want to be in their religion, it's like, huh, this is really weird to believe, but I get to marry 20 women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it be normalized is, is the way that I'm looking at it. And again... Totally, totally. Maybe mm. you you highlighted some of the more gullible people, and I could totally well, see that. Well, early on, it was a little bit different. And um, not that I'm saying that Joseph Smith was being honest, but early on, like, polygamy was added, like, later. Uh, I think he, I think it was more codified under Brigham Young. And then... But in the history, what they did was they, they went back, and each of Joseph Smith's times that he cheated on his wife and slept with underage girls or other... No. <laughs> other girls... 
that they were like, oh, that was his wife, <laughs> but it was really Joseph Smith just cheating on Emma. But <laughs> okay, the, then but, I, uh, I do know that Brigham Young mm, definitely solidified. It he solidified more. the doctrine of polygamy because yeah. at the end of the day, he ended up. I think he had sixty wives. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So he had sixty wives like that were recorded down, and ten to fifteen were underage. Wow. Yeah, there's some messed up shit there, and um, to give like to give a little bit of compassion to current LDS members, especially they, a lot of them don't know that history. Cause like I said, they, they're heavily indoctrinated from the birth that it's anti-Mormon literature that they don't even like, like you can't even touch it. It's not like you shouldn't believe it. Like you don't even read that stuff where you're cast out, you know, it's very insulated as far as the history of what you're allowed to look at and believe. And they often just tell you to put your questions on a shelf and don't, don't return to them. That sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds a little familiar, <laughs> doesn't it? From uh, evangelical stuff too. A little bit. Um, but so I can give him a little bit, a little bit of compassion there, but even in the, in the doctrines that are taught to like, it's still, like I said, the homophobic stuff, the racist stuff, the, the sexist stuff, it's still right. so much that you should, right. I don't know that, I don't want to give them compassion for because that's some some crazy stuff. Well, but. Be, but we at least have to give them compassion for like the same thing with our like political opinions and like our religious opinions. Like, I am not angry at the average fundamentalist evangelical because mm. they're just following what their parents did and what yeah. their church is telling yeah. them, and then their pastors following them what the denomination is telling them, and really it just mm. kind of goes up the chain. You know, how far up do you want to pass the blame? Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the prophet, he fucking knows. He definitely <laughs> oh, yeah. knows. Probably a lot of them do know. <laughs> and But, I mean, a lot of them are probably also the same way where they're conditioned to never question, and they just don't, even when they know everything, they still don't question. They're yeah. just like, oh, well, this is what we do. But, but you can't tell me that, <laughs> but the, no, that prophet yeah, sure the prophet in the, in the 70s, who's like, hmm, Black people have rights now. Maybe God. Maybe we can't. Maybe this isn't a sustainable religion if we're going to keep discriminating this hard. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. Um, which there's also a distinction. I guess to, to switch gears, we've talked a lot about the history yeah. of Mormonism. Um, there's a distinction between LDS and FLDS. Your fundamentalists oh, yeah. and the the LDS doesn't like to talk about the FLDS because they are batshit crazy. <laughs> the fundamentalist Mormons are the ones. Which, to be fair, so the doctrine of polygamy that you might have heard of with Mormons, um, no Mormon that's in the LDS church believes that that's true. Um, that, that's basically been been like erased from LDS history or, or from doctrine. It's yeah. it's not a doctrine anymore. That they don't believe that it that it continues and it's not a good practice. I, I think they think that's going to happen in the afterlife. But in this world, do they? I don't know. It's not a good practice <laughs> to do. And so so LDS people will not say that you should do polygamy fundamentalist LDS people, they do. And um, I think you said you, you wanted to talk yeah. about something so, that you had seen about that. There's right? a really big documentary out right now called Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. Have you seen it? Mm -hmm. I have not seen it. What okay. is that? So basically on Netflix, there's a big documentary out right now talking about the fundamentalist Mormon church. It doesn't really highlight a lot of the the normal LDS because like, as much as I have, like, it, you and I both and a lot of people have issues mm. with their doctrine, like, they're not quite as problematic. Like, they're not actively they're, I mean, committing crimes. Yeah. <laughs> How and about that? I will say, too, individually, especially, they are lovely people. You yeah, know? Yeah, you, yeah. They're very kind, very lovely, very generous. Even yeah. though some of their ideas are regressive, they're not in... Um, criminal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the, here, here's where... 
this documentary comes about. So basically, you're you're talking about the priesthood that starts from Joseph Smith, goes to Brigham mm-hmm. Young, goes to uh, Woodrum Rufford. I don't know all, all these different people yeah. who like go through the line. In the late 1800s, 1890s, um, there was a Mormon president. He's the president and prophet, and he basically says, you know, hey. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. He, he goes and he says, hey, God has given me a vision that polygamy is no longer required to be practiced in this life. And mm. so we are no longer going to practice polygamy. In reality, yeah. I'll be honest with you, what was happening is they were, I mean, it was federal crime. to. They were like going to be shut down. They know? were going to be shut down and they didn't stop practicing polygamy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think they wanted to. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how they keep the stranglehold on power. Yeah. So play, put yourself back in like your evangelical brain. Mm-hmm. God is the same today, yes, or, uh, yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. Nothing he says is wrong. He's mm-hmm. omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everything. Do you think that any of his doctrine that God would have communicated would be wrong from day one? Yeah, it's like if he was... And- if Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were, were the prophets, then yeah. like, why are we getting rid of what the, the God's prophet said? Yeah. No, I mean, God's law should not change if he doesn't change. Yeah, exactly. So something sure. that was a- approved of and required for salvation then mm-hmm. can't just be changed now. That's right. Cause it was required for salvation. Wasn't it required like, for salvation for the women? Yeah. So polygamy was, and, and stuff like that was required. So yeah. that was a lot of the reasoning that I would use back then to like, debunk the mormon god is mm-hmm. like okay well that mormon god is changing god's not wrong if he is wrong he's not worthy of being followed yeah. so the these mormons had the same idea they're like huh if we're going to change our core doctrine then whatever has happening with the, like the lds church as a whole is an apostate mm-hmm. they are caving to the culture yeah they're not following the vision for mormonism set up by set apart by like Joseph Smith back in the early 1800s, they are apostates. Mm-hmm. So you have a split. So they broke off. Yeah, they broke off. Okay. So really, today's like main LDS church is the liberal LDS church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to to the fundamentalists, yes. Yeah, to the fundamentalists, <laughs> they're the the liberal. Yeah, watered down. Which to a certain extent, I can see where they're coming from. Not oh, yeah. that I'm agreeing sure. with their practices, but I'm saying like their logic is sound if you base if you're working in those premises. The fundamentalist. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the logic of God being being uh, consistent and never changing. Yeah, that's sound. And so then you get mm-hmm. like the the appropriation of like African Americans who are demon children. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So they they disagree with all of this. So they there's a split in the late 1800s, 1890s, early 1900s. Um, between like the main LDS church and then they appoint their own prophet and they move out of Salt Lake. Okay. So there is a community of they move what south or they move to a little town called Short Creek. I believe it's in Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've got some notes. <laughs> Hold on just a <laughs> second. Go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so the Mormons voted out controversial teachings after receiving new visions, early 1900s, they split moved to Short Creek, Arizona. And so then you have a branch. So you have the the mainline Mormons. You have the fundamentalist Mormons appointing their own prophets. And so basically what ends up happening is this little town called Short Creek becomes like a religious uh, commune. Okay. uh, Essentially. So they have their own government. 
Um, like even the police officers in the town are like fundamentalist Mormons. Mm. They've got mm-hmm. a, a mayor of the town. He's a fundamentalist Mormon. And they all listen to whoever is the prophet in the town. Gotcha. Very, very odd. Yeah. So like huh. the re- a lot of the reasons why a lot of the stuff that happens there isn't like um, prosecuted is because the people who are working in like the local government are fundamentalist Mormons. Sure, yeah. Everyone in yeah. this one 10,000 person town is fundamentalist Mormon. Hmm. So... Scary. <laughs> All right. So we, we, we have just now set up the premises for this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> for this documentary. And I'm sorry. We're like 35 minutes in. No. Yeah. We're good. And we're uh, just getting there. So I, I want to give Collier like the rundown of like what mm-hmm. happens. Uh, if you want to, you can, you can cut this episode off now, go watch it and then come back to the last few minutes of this. And then we can yell about it together. <laughs> but if you don't want to watch this documentary, okay. which I really recommend that you do because it really talks about a lot of the trauma that's caused by this community. Highly recommend. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's okay. get it. They have their, through their succession of fundamentalist prophets, um, in the late, in the early 80s through late 90s, um, the prophet, his name is Rulin, Rulin Jeffs. So he's okay. in like, he's old. He is old. So he's like in his 70s in the 80s. Gotcha. And then, then we okay. get the 90s, he's in his 80s. Whew. Okay. He has. He's like the uh, the average age of the U.S. Congress, right? <laughs> yes, he's the average age of the U.S. Congress. And while he is, he b- believes all of these um, very fundamentalist teachings um, that they disagree with with the mainline LDS Church. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is a very like soft spoken man. Um, he is kind, but he's also like he's not senile, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I find some of these like fun, like, uh, the SBC pastors to be kind of like these senile crotchety old men. (laughs) He's not. Some of those old SBC pastors are so angry. Yeah. They're so angry. He's not. Okay. John Piper's senile. (laughs) He is senile. John Piper doesn't know what the fuck he's saying anymore. He is. He is senile. (laughs) He's gone. He's gone. Oh, Beth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, man. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, get back to. Okay. Okay. The uh, way sorry, that this community, <laughs> the way that this community works, is that there are prominent male figures in the community, and what happens when um, young girls come of age, eighteen. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, really? Come of age under ruling. They will what the what the what the way the community works is they say hey what's what's the phrase that they use they use this like certain phrase they they say I'm ready to like come of my own or uh, mm. be given away or something I don't remember the exact phrase but they okay. have this phrase that is like code that they're ready to become wives so then um, they tell that to their father if their father agrees they go visit Rulin and the, the father. The daughter and Rulin have a private session, and Rulin hmm. will either then or in a couple days basically receive a vision from God of where the wife is supposed to be paired for her celestial salvation. Gotcha. Okay. So there are only like a small group of like middle aged to like old age men in the community. You know what I'm saying? Like a few hundred men for a thousands of women. Wow. And okay. Daughters. So, like, each of those men or each of those women gets assigned to one of those men? Yes, by ruling. Wow. Like, okay. it, it's all wow. chosen. Now, the highest honor that you can receive is being married to ruling. 
<laughs> of course, okay. He has, I can't forget how many dozens of wives in his household. Wow. Um, yeah. He had 80 children, though. Wow. Yes. That's so, a lot. Okay. <laughs> the The documentary starts off going and sharing like what what life is like for this eighteen year old girl mm-hmm. who uh, tells her father she's ready to like come of her own. They go to Ruland, and Ruland's like, "Oh, my dear, I've received a visit from the Lord. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be one of my wives." Yeah. So it, he he sees every woman. That is in the town and basically like chooses in, which one he in wants. In his eighties, yeah, chooses which one God. he wants. And wow. then like the like the lifestyle in his household is like he he's in a wheelchair. He's <laughs> in an oxygen tank. Oh my god! And the women take care of him. So every night they put him to bed. Every one of them come in a row and kiss him. And then he stops one of them to spend the night with him every night. Wow. And so the first night that this 18-year-old girl spends in his home, he like teaches her what sex is on their wedding night. Oh my God. Obviously, it's a terrible experience. Yeah. And when he's done, he makes her like carry him to the bathroom and he pisses himself on the way over. <laughs> Just like the most God, disgusting. So disgusting. <sighs> Dude, I mean, you're like setting up the the premise of this documentary and it's already like fuck <laughs> i know i know and we're not even this is this is not even the, like this the is just this way. is just like the the way the town works this is the way the town that's works. crazy all right so when in the 90s the the guys in his late 80s he is his health is declining and so what happens is usually you know the lord will appoint will communicate to him who the next um prophet's supposed to be mm-hmm what Ruland starts doing is he starts grooming one of his sons to take over for him instead of mm. listening to the Lord for who he wants. And so um, there is a school in the community that all the girls are are taught through, um, you know, very specially curated books and curriculum, um, not a yeah. big focus on like the academics, mostly on like Mormon history, Mormon practice, homemaking, that he appoints his favorite son uh, what's his name? Um, Warren. Warren Jeffs. He appoints his son, Warren oh, Jeffs. Oh, okay, okay. So I've heard of Warren Jeffs. Yes. Yeah, he, like before he, this documentary. Yes. Okay. So he is like a, a, a basically this preemie baby who his father got really, really concerned about and, um, you know, became his favorite from his favorite mm, wife. Okay. Um, And so he keeps Warren at his side through like, his last 20 years of life mm-hmm. teaching him about like how he runs things, how to speak, how he's going to teach the school. He appoints in the nineties, uh, Warren as the president of like the local school. And he's, he cracks down on like, um, any sorts of self-expression outside of like holy devotion and whatnot. And then in the late, uh, late nineties, early two thousands, the father's health takes a decline for the worse. And he doesn't die, but he's hospitalized and he's nonverbal. Okay. While he's nonverbal, he never actively promoted someone to the position of leadership. Huh. Okay. So Warren is able to step into that position and say, hey, mm-hmm. before my father is about to pass away, he whispered in my ear and told me that I'm the new prophet. And so <laughs> basically what he did, he said, hey, <laughs> you get on board yeah. with me or you're kicked out. Yeah. Okay. That's all he mm-hmm. did. And so what he he began kicking apostates out of the community who didn't acknowledge him as the 
as the new prophet. One of the things he would do is if you demonstrated that you didn't acknowledge him and not as a prophet, you didn't even have to actively say it. He would bring you to his private quarters. He would say, hey, your wives and children are being reassigned throughout the community. Huh. And you're to leave before uh, nightfall. Wow. So he would like, not yeah. that these families were really great families in the first place. Sure. But he would break up the families, reassign the wives and children to new husbands, oh my God. and send the guys out. Yeah. Kick out. And the, another thing is they had a big overpopulation of like young men. So because in a pop in a you know a world where the the rich old white male is head of the household, yeah, uh, he just had to kick out young men. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, you can't have too many men in that in that type of society. One of the things he would do is he would use them for like really cheap slave labor. So he would send huh. a lot of like the 18 to like 20 year olds out on these like work crews. Yeah. And so like buses of them would be like shipped out. They go work construction jobs dirt cheap and send all their money back to the to the main Wow. Just just yeah, wild, yeah. wild wild shit. Wild stuff. Uh father dies, Warren steps into it and uh, can and he and he's doing these really really terrible things and all the things that his father's doing, he starts taking to the extreme. Trying to obtain mm. more wives, kicking more men out, so the more people who are like really, really bought into his mission become the only ones who can own property, sure. can own women. Hmm. Thoughts so far? Well, I mean, it seems like the fundamentalist LDS is kind of more true to the early history of of the Mormon faith or the Mormon Church. <laughs> they uh, doing all that shitty stuff that the early ones did, and I think. A lot of those, well, I think they do read more history, actually, the more true history the fundamentalists do. Um, and that's kind of where they take their inspiration. Absolutely. I mean, they are not wrong in the context of Joseph Smith's original vision. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna believe that Joseph Smith is the prophet, Brigham Young is the divine prophet, God is not changing, then yeah, they're kind of in line with those early Mormons. Yeah, um, they're, they're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So no, that's that's insane, man. I mean, it's just yeah, very right off the bat, just incredibly damaging, traumatizing, and just abusive to everyone involved, but especially especially the the children and the and the wives. I mean, that's just crazy. And uh, I get like I I hurt so much for them because I get why they can't leave too. Like not only is it psychological stuff and like imprisonment psychologically and physically. It's. I mean, they've they've been told that they can't do anything by themselves. They've been told that they can't. You're make raised anything. in an isolated bubble. Where yeah. This is all and you even know. if they did get out, yeah, like they don't really have a lot of ways to get out. You know, like it's very very difficult, like just practically for them to leave. Even if they did break out of the psychological prison that they've been like very well constructedly put in. Yeah. Yeah. For which sure. Which is horrible. The big thing that uh, Warren does is he starts cracking down on, like, self-expression and opportunities for, like, mm. outside thought. And so, like, obviously, they were a very isolated community. But just, like, a couple small examples. Um, in the library of the school that he ran, you know, there was, like, the boxcar children, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Nancy Drew books, you know, just some, like, oldies yeah. fun adventure books you know the magic tree house well this one girl was talking about how like she loved the nancy drew books because they were you know very empowering they felt like she could have a positive effect on her community <laughs> mm -hmm. woke up one day 
every book was gone. Every <laughs> single one. The only thing that were there were yeah. religious books and then textbooks. And the mm. thing is, like, their science books, half of the pages were ripped out. <laughs> Just wow. weird, weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he also took power, uh, Warren, he would he started like first he started with outlawing pants. Then he started only approving certain types of materials to have the clothes made out of. Mm. Then he had some of the key women in the community come together and make a video for everyone talking about the four types of approved hairstyles. Then all the dresses <laughs> had to, couldn't have any patterns. They had to be pastel colors. Then he outlawed the color red. <laughs> okay. I don't, I yeah. Just, just, just yeah. weird, weird things. Yeah. I mean, dude, honestly, that, that seems, though, a little bit like what some of these um independent fundamentalist baptist churches yeah, yeah i think a lot of those pastors would kill for a society like that they yeah. would love or, i mean with them at the yeah. lead but they would love to have their own society where they make the laws and they would do that same stuff like i mean there's that it's like a somewhat famous like viral clip that's going around on tiktok or, or was yeah. of um one of those stupid pastors from the yeah, yeah. independent independent fundamentalist Baptist that was um going on a rant about why women shouldn't wear pants. Oh no. And even though he was like going on a rant more than other people will, there's a lot of Christian denominations too that like don't really allow like I don't think Pentecostals allow their women to wear pants. They have to wear skirts, they have to be knee length or floor length. Stuff like that. I've got a friend. Um, so one of my earliest childhood friend, like back in Eastern Kentucky, like I'm mm. talking like three, four, five. Um, she is part of a denomination that doesn't allow women to cut their hair. Oh yeah, yeah. I've um, I mean like gone to like homeschool stuff with people like that. So. Long. Hair. Yeah. You know, can't wear pants. Can't mm -hmm. cut their hair. You know, no musicians. You know, no music. Just weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's like where is this? Even if you acknowledge scriptures, God breathed, where do you find this? <laughs> yeah, and some of that like isn't necessarily wrong on its own, but it's usually being um, put on people by these powerful men that are abusing people, by, that are like keeping these people in cages, you know? And um, that's where I think it's really wrong, too. Like, if you yeah. want to do something like that as a religious devotion, that's cool. Um, you know, if you want to be a monk for religious devotion or whatever, that, that's, that's cool. And um, there's ways that you can do that, and you can honor God or honor yourself or whatever with that. But the, uh, a lot of times, yeah, it's these cult leaders basically that yeah. are yeah. making their population do this or saying that they're not righteous if they don't do these very ridiculous things. Yeah, you're right. I mean, all of it is for his like selfish gain mm -hmm. uh, and he doesn't phrase it like that, but that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's controlling self-expression is one of the big ways that you control populations. So Yeah. Makes sense. All right, I'm going to catch us up to 2010. Okay. So the thing... So that was also Warren Jeffs came to the head and started running things yeah, in the like 90s? Yeah, like 2002. Oh, 2002. Okay. Like okay. The, the father w like was on his deathbed like 98, 99. He dies in like 2002. But Warren mm -hmm. kind of usurps power through this like very messy, nonverbal transition. There's no like, gotcha. hey, yeah. he's the new prophet. He just kind of fills the gap sure okay you know so it, it's like a gradual slide it's not like a hard stop it's not like our old senior pastor at mega church uh where it's like hey here's the next guy mm. it's just like 
he just kind of slides <laughs> into it. Yeah. And okay. like slowly <laughs> sees how far he can like usurp his authority. Sure. Uh-huh. And so, you know, he starts taking on, he starts marrying off uh, girls like right at 18 now. Like 18th mm-hmm. birthday, they're married off. Wow. And then it starts going down to 17. That, that's starts... okay. That's what I was thinking was I, I was thinking it was younger than 18. Yeah. So Well, it not until Warren. So Warren made it younger. Warren starts pushing it like 16. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to usually to older, wealthier, more prominent, more um, loyal to uh, Warren mm, members yeah. of the community too. Yeah. Another thing God. is he 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 develops a chase for everyone, so they're always focused on Zion, right? Uh huh. He decides that the world is going to end when the Olympics come to Utah in like 2006. He says <laughs> okay. the world's going to end. Well, on the day when it's supposed to end, when the Olympics uh-huh. starts, it doesn't end. But he says, oh, it's because God is allowing us another 50 years to be chase righteousness more, to have mm. a better uh, afterlife on Cobalt. Oh, or yeah, yeah, makes sense. So he says God has built a new temple far hmm. away from here where we're all going to start relocating to. So in the dead of night, he starts gathering up uh, a few families and he ships them on buses outside of Short Creek. Wow. And then pre- periodically over the mo- coming months and years, he will gather children from the parents and just ship them away. Wow. Put them on a bus, ship them mm-hmm. away. No one knows where they're going until they get there. So it turns out he built a commune with all the money he's been getting from the community, mm-hmm. from the kids being sent off. Lots of money. Oh, I'm I mean, sure. Millions of dollars. Builds a new temple in El Dorado, Texas. Oh, wow. It is like okay. a gated community with like log uh, summer camp type cabins where he just ships the children to, to basically indoctrination camps. They call it YFZ Ranch, Yearning for Zion. Wow. They build okay. a new temple like they have in like downtown Salt Lake there, and no one's allowed inside the temple. No no outside person can come on the ranch. Where in Short Creek, it was a town you can go to. Yeah. YFZ Ranch in Texas, no one's allowed in unless Warren mm. Jeff says so. <laughs> okay. Um. So that all this shenanigans going on when one of the – there's like a, a group of a few dozen ladies who have escaped the community – um, someone's there's this guy, his name's Mike. He works for a local news station in, I think in Arizona. He's been trying to prosecute Short Creek for years oh, okay. and years and years. Yeah. What eventually happens, he convinces one of the ladies who got ostracized from the community to come forward and, and, um, said, Hey, I got married at 18 or uh, nine, or, oh, fuck, 16. So they have a court case and they try to get Warren Jeffs, uh, like arrested yeah, and what happens is the, they are able to catch him and make him like associate. Um, what do they call it? Accomplice associate or? accomplice of rape. Okay, because he married and consented for a sixteen-year-old to marry an older man in the community. Mm. So he gets slap on the wrist, like six months in jail for yeah. uh, like a uh, accomplice to rape. In the meantime, they're trying to do a raid on the ranch in Texas to get. So Warren keeps a record of everything, but no one knows where it is. No one huh. talks. You know, none of the women know. None of the men are willing to speak. You know, they're very tight-lipped. Anyways, um, 
apparently there's a girl like they find a girl who like called in like a local police station and basically was asking for a welfare check, you know, just for the mm-hmm. police to come in and say, you know, I'm being hurt, blah, blah, blah. So they're able to like get a SWAT team to go bust into this ranch. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bust into the ranch. They start looking around. They can't find anything. So they literally have to like pry the Mormons off of the door to the temple and they break in. I want to send you some pictures of what this temple looked like, but it's like all white. It's very empty. It's very open. There's like these weird pedestals. There's weird oh. drawings, weird writings. Basically, what it breaks down to is, you know, they're doing dead people baptisms, just like, oh wow, you know, okay. the, the main Mormon temple. Yeah. At the bottom of the temple, there is a like bank industrial vault that they're <laughs> able to drill into. And it's got records of every marriage he's ever done, every person he's ever ostracized, the age of them, the birthday, every all all the wow. all the shit is is put there, including audio recordings and video recordings oh. of Warren Jeff's wedding bed that he had he had them construct at the very top of the temple in the very pyre peak, a big fluffy white wedding bed where he would bring all of his wives around, have them strip naked, and then the new girls he would marry, he would lay them out on the bed, and he would basically teach the new girls how to have sex while having orgies with all of his wives. Oh, my God. Wow. And he has a video recording of him taking away the virginity of a 14-year-old during one of these orgies. Okay, and so so that's what they got him on then was oh was oh oh, oh. <laughs> it, multiple life sentences yeah oh I'm sure yeah he didn't get, I, I, well I just read I was looking him up and I just read online that he is um still considered the prophet so, so he the FLDS still considers him their current yeah, divine prophet yeah I mean well, they were only able to implicate certain members not everyone yeah oh I'm sure I'm sure and you can't prove polygamy it's really hard to prosecute that because they're mm. not legally married. Oh, yeah, they're just, like, living together, and so they don't have the paperwork yeah. by the state. You can't yeah. you can't arrest someone for having an affair. Yeah, yeah, and especially if, if they were over 18, it's hard to, it's hard to convict hard to, them on rape either, so... Exactly. Man, that's tough. So, uh, unless... I mean, at least records, he's in jail. At least he's rotting, but He's man, in jail. <laughs> that's crazy. Exactly. So he, But he still... May, he'll, he'll send a, a member of the community up to the federal prison he's in. Mm-hmm. They'll have, like, a, like, one of the visitations. He'll call up members on the phone and tell them visions tell of them God. Tell them the prophets. Yeah, the I'm sure. Gosh. Man, I wish there was a way that we could, like, legally not allow him to have any visitors or any contact. <laughs> So that he couldn't get the word out and they would have to do something. But I mean, still, and, and he's not the only one though. I mean, like Warren is the latest in this line of fundamentalist um, prophets and fundamentalist Mormons that That's still are going doing on all today. this stuff, you know? So yeah, if he dies, if whatever, there's someone else going to take his place and do the same shit. Exactly. God. So anyways, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. That was a big rant for me. Yeah. No, no, no. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, tried to summarize a three and a half hour documentary in 20 minutes. Yeah. Did no, I mean, that seemed like a really good summary. That was, that was concise. I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> a lot more concise than my summaries ever oh, are. Oh, you're, so. you're totally fine. You're totally fine. But I, no, that's good. But having received all of that, like, what, what do you do with that? How, how do you feel? Man, I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't even know. I just feel angry, I guess. Like, that's, that's just, it's so bad. It's so, 
it's just disgusting and it's perverted. It's uh, that the thing is it can have broader implications. Um, yes, the fundamentalist LDS is a very um, specific scenario and they have their own specific things. However, um, the, the, the um, phenomenon of men in power, usually narcissists, almost always narcissists, um, receiving divine word from God or well, or thinking that they have some kind of better knowledge to God is a big problem everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big problem in, in all churches and all religions is that those powerful men, if they truly believe that God's speaking through them, they can justify a lot of stuff and they can abuse their power in insane ways and say, I mean, Mark Driscoll is a perfect example. Like we've talked about, he is, he is. we've talked about the uh, podcast, the, um, Mars Hill, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's a perfect example. You know, he truly believed, I, I, I think, I mean, he's probably got some comment in him as well or whatever, but I think he truly believes that he is being spoken uh, through God. Like God is speaking through him. He is God's vessel. He's telling the truth, but he can use that. Um, and he will justify everything that he wants, everything that he needs for his own selfish gain but he will use God to justify it all. You know, if he wants to cheat on his wife, he will find a way to say that God ordained it, you know? And um, Mark Driscoll not cheat on his wife. Honestly, I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, not that we know of, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. Like it's just, and, and not just him, but that's, I think that that's a big issue with, with more than just the FLDS is the, um, is old powerful men saying that they can do whatever they want because God gives them the ability to do whatever they want. Yeah. Like, Oh, you know, the Lord told me to, to do this. The Lord told me that, um, that, you know, you are living in sin and I'm going to need to punish you or you're going to need to be banished from the church or right. Just right. Like, right. There's lots, so many examples. Um, yeah. in that movie we talked about, uh, with Robert Pattinson and, um, and oh, Tom Holland I still need and to, oh. Sebastian Stan, uh, the one we were talking about the other day. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. My trauma one. Yeah, man, I cannot think of the, the name devil of in that. us all or something. The devil all the time. The devil all the time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And that one, uh, a perfect example is in, in the grooming of of young girls uh, when there's a scene where Robert Pattinson is like this pastor who's taken a liking to this teenager terrible thing that happened but he was a really good actor oh he was so robert pattinson's an incredible actor yeah Yeah. (laughs) but he like uses god to allow him to molest her he's like prays to her and he says like lord give her the strength to reveal herself to me and like basically brings the sexual stuff that he wants to do under the guise of of holy vulnerability and while that's another extreme example this is one of the many ways that people who think that they can talk for God and think that they have the knowledge of God will fuck people up. And like, that's, that's one of the things that I think it's, it's insidious no matter what you're in. And for sure. a lot of religions, no matter how like much better than the, than the horrible ones it is, they have those same dangers. Yeah. And Taylor and I ended up having like a really long debate about this after mm-hmm. watching um, the, the documentary where You've saw all the stuff that's come out, like about the like the Baptist convention. Yeah, yeah. Well, we both have a lot of family who like are Baptists, and they're I would say like our family, you know, very kind people. You know, yeah, they sure. give, they give money. They're very bought in. 
you know, they themselves, like, they don't have any, like, active ill will trying to manipulate people. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's some toxic doctrine that you can talk about. But, like, I don't want to (laughs) offend. But the leaders of any sort of religious sect, you know, at any point could just be a step away from that. Yeah. From keep, sweet, pray, and obey. From fundamental Mormonism. And, like, there needs to be checks and balances in place yeah. to where they don't let the power of the divine go to their head. Which, I'll offend, I, I would say that the majority of the leadership in the SBC is. Oh, right well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> because, I mean, we've seen with the SBC how they've continuously covered up abuse, how they've continuously yeah. propped up pedophiles and abusers uh, into positions of power, and yeah. how they've demonized victims. Like it, it's how many pages? Two hundred pages? Two hundred yeah, pages? Yeah, two hundred pages of victims and abusers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and that's just the ones that we I'm know about. I'm not critiquing like the average SBC goer. Oh no, not not at all. Yeah. No, not at all. I mean, the critique I would have is, especially after everything is very public now, why are you still there? Yeah, um, that's true. Which I mean, again, I get it's it's a community. It can be really hard to leave, but like I'm not saying you have to leave God even. Just like. Maybe find a better denomination. <laughs> Maybe find someone that's not like mired in scandal. Yeah. And that was, uh, we could do a whole episode about the SBC yeah, and how yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. Like the fundamentalist LDS, same thing with the SBC. Baptist Convention, Northern Baptist said, hey, uh, in the 18, mid-1800s, like, hey, we don't think that uh, that clergy should own slaves. The Southern Baptist said, no, we want our pastors to own slaves. So we're going to like, fuck you guys. You're wrong. You don't have correct doctrine and we're going to split. <laughs> yeah. Now the SBC will tell you that there was some kind of doctrinal issue on uh, baptism or, yeah. or like the Trinity, some kind of small issue. Mm-hmm. That wasn't it. The issue. No, was, exactly. <laughs> they said, they said, we don't want clergy having slaves. And they said, oh no, we want to own people. Just a small hot take. So you know? <laughs> yeah, it's so same thing. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> SBC is a whole thing in itself. Terrible. Um, <laughs> but no, that's... Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch the documentary now. Okay. I definitely want to watch It'll it. It'll explain it, seems, it a lot better. It yeah. really focuses on the lives of the people who are have been exited out of mm, the community. Okay. Because they don't have any interviews with people who are inside. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, only pictures. I mean, they would not be allowed to have interviews. They would be excommunicated. Exactly, so. exactly. Yeah. So all the people that they interview, they're like, people who are married to Rulin, people mm-hmm. who are married to Warren... Um, men who didn't agree with, like people who are Mormon and who still even agree with ruling Jeff's. Yeah. But then talk about Warren Jeff's. Like, one of the people is his own brother, like a, a bro, like oh, a really? half brother. Yeah. And he's like, well, Warren was appointed. Not really at all. He just kind of stepped in the role. And because I'm like, Hey, like, you know, our father never appointed anyone. So like, are you sure you should be doing this? Kicked him out of the community, reassigned all yeah. his wives gone, <laughs> just gone overnight. Apostate. Man, it's wild. So yeah, it's, hard. it's very hard to watch. That's the thing. I, <laughs> that's the only reason I haven't watched it is, uh, I, I saw it and I was like, I want to watch it. I just didn't know if my heart could take it, you know, at, at the moment. Yeah. And especially after, so, I've plugged this several times. We, Michaela and I just finished watching Under the Banner of Heaven. and I guess if you watch this, I'll have to watch Under the Banner of Heaven. Bro, it's so good. And After again, we finish uh, Evangelion. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Tom, we are watching Evangelion. Both I've actually finished it. Well, you <laughs> no, gotta watch on the, the movie. <laughs> I got to watch the movie. You're right. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I want to watch that one too. But yeah, Under the Banner of Heaven is great too. It's, it's another suggestion I'd have. It's not as much. It's based on a true story, but it's... Uh, more focused on like the deconstruction of a 
LDS member, not an FLDS member, but it's basically about a detective who's working a crime that has to do with the FLDS. So it's like a, it's some murders that he suspects are, are connected to fundamentalist teachings and blood atonement and stuff like that. And that kind of leads him on a journey of discovering true Mormon history, kind of questioning his faith. That's wild. It's, I mean, Andrew Garfield, I think is one of the greatest actors of our time. And he's, uh, He's does an amazing job in that role. I'm excited it's to watch so it. Good. Yeah, uh, but so because we just watched that, that was also emotional. Um, it was also a little. It's like I need a break. Let's watch yeah. The Office for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> exactly. I needed like to not watch like an emotional religious documentary for a while, you know. <laughs> but I will watch this one. I will watch it soon. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll uh, like I said after I finish Evangelion, I'm, I'll I'll watch it under the banner of heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. So all this goes to say, what what's our bottom line here, Collier? Uh, our bottom line is fundamentalism is always wrong. <laughs> like for real question fundamentalism and try to stop it from happening because <laughs> it is always wrong and evil. <laughs> so we have an upcoming episode in our podcast that'll release in the, in the coming weeks um, titled something like this podcast sucks. Listen to this episode <laughs> uh, where we talk about like deconstruction as a process and a little a little tip of the hat to that, even if you are not planning to leave the faith, please always be examining things mm. at their root. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. And there's, I can never remember the scripture verse for this, but um, there, there's a verse in one of Paul's letters. I for, forget exactly which we one. We don't study the Bible anymore. But he, he's, <laughs> he calls out this church and says like, hey, these guys are questioning what their pastor says and examining it to see if it lines up with the truth of the scriptures. And he's like, good job. Like, you should do that. So Paul tells you that you should also deconstruct a little bit or at least examine the practice and the teachings of what the people in power are telling you. So, so yeah, the Bible itself tells you to do that. Yeah, take, take ownership of what you are being told if you're living in like a totalitarian society like the fundamentalist Mormons were where they can't, you know, uh, Warren taught uh, submission, yeah. a totalitarian, I am the prophet, you listen to what I say. That's the issue. Yeah. They just took his word for it. Totally. And I mean, which again, like I don't, I don't really blame them too much and I feel bad for them for because sure. they couldn't do anything else. They, like you said, they didn't even have literature. But like the men like, in power. I kind of doubt they had internet like unrestricted internet oh, access no they don't did. have the literature you know they don't even have anything that's not mormon approved books so or warren jeff's approved books and uh that's why education is important did i mention that while he was on the run from the law for the first crime he took his like favorite few wives went to las vegas sea world <laughs> disney world Mardi Gras. He made them all watch porn together in their hotel rooms. Oh my god! He was having what? the church send him three hundred thousand dollars every week so he could go party it up until he got arrested. So he was basically. That sounds to me like he he was like, okay, my time's at an end. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna just gonna live it up. <laughs> like, I'll show you. I'll have to show you in the most pictures. sinister way possible. Absolutely. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Oh, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you, Elijah, for enlightening me on this documentary. Um, if you if you watched it, uh, let us know your thoughts on it, and um, yeah, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your your uh, takes or anything that you uh, stood out to you, um, dear listener. Dear listener. So. And until next time. Uh, I, I don't know where it's going. No, with that. <laughs> I thought you might have had something. <laughs>
<laughs> we don't have anything. There might be a next time. There might not. We could all die. We could all. Yeah, you could. Or, you, or I could. Or, or I could. Or, or you, you could. Or you could. Yeah, or Moochie could. That would be... Moochie shouldn't. Moochie, <laughs> Moochie will never die. <laughs> Moochie the cat will live forever. He will. He will. It is not lives. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.